This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. So let's define what the offseason is for. First and foremost, it's about getting better improving as a player improving as a team and gentlemen there is no question the cardinals have gotten better have gotten better at least on paper and yes i know the games are not played on paper but for right now paper is all we have to judge the cardinals by and well let's see what the cardinals have done because they have been very active since our most recent show malcolm butler new cornerback cornerback number one if you will mason cole has been traded to the vikings for a sixth round draft pick tight end daryl Darrell daniels and safety charles washington have been retained and oh yes chris banjo is back and a new safety sean williams gentlemen it has been a busy week b train how you doing Doing pretty good. Uh, feeling good and uh, excited about these moves that the Cardinals have made. It shows that uh, they're willing to put their hat in the ring for the NFC West and uh, game on. They have certainly made a lot of additions. We'll get into the Malcolm Butler move and what they have done at the safety position a little bit later on. But as we focus on offensive line and tight end, MJ, certainly two areas, and I guess offensive line more so, that needed to be addressed. And there is an address that has been made. You've got Rodney Hudson, Max Garcia is back, Kelvin Beecham is back. And with all of these people coming back in the addition of Hudson, there just was not any more room for a Mason Cole. And, well, at least you got something out of him as the Cardinals deal him for a 2021 six-round draft pick. Yeah, you know, when Shipley went down the, uh, Mason's first year, he had a chance to play over a 1,000 snaps and, I do think they missed uh, Shipley last year, but, you know, it's it a case where when, when we got a chance to talk to Sean Coogler, he made it very clear that he wanted competition on the offensive line, in particular the center position, so the Cardinals were able to go out and get one of the better centers that became available in Rodney Hudson, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen at right guard. Uh, I think Calvin Beecham definitely uh, was an upgrade last year. Um, at right tackle, we I think the left side set, so it's going to be interesting, and I think they really want to create competition for some backup roles. Again, they'll likely address eight on game day. And I forgot about Brian Winters as well, perhaps the new starter at right guard. So you have two potential new starters on that offensive line, B-Train. And, yes, we're talking about in the trenches, so you have to give us that when we're talking about the offense. But certainly an area that this team wanted to get better, especially in the interior, so you kept that pressure up the middle off of one Kyler Murray. And you have to be able to upgrade that because that's the quickest way to win or lose a football game. And when you talk about protecting your franchise quarterback, those five guys have to all be in lockstep with one another to make sure that they do that. And the more talented guys that you have at your disposal to do that, then the better the chances are that Kyler is going to be kept clean and, and he can 
go about the business of, of getting the ball to his requisite weapons and making sure that this offense keeps moving as scheduled. So I thought it was uh, a necessary move, and I thought it was uh, it was really good by Steve Kime and company to, to find the right pieces that are going to be able to come in and, and, and really help this offense take it to that next level. Yeah, I agree with you, and hopefully this allows Kyler Murray to step up in the pocket. And I know he has a tendency to drift, and it could be he's got to see over the line, but – um, you know, you're going against the NFC West, and we know how good the defensive tackles are there. And then you, you mentioned Brian Winters, 6'4", 320. Um, you know, he's got a ton of starts in the NFL. Um, I think Justin Murray's a guy that's got some flexibility. He could play both guard and tackle. Um, so I do think it's going to be open competition there. And, you know, what Steve Kime said, and we always say, is Sean Kluker's going to play the best five guys. So um, they want to be a better team. Uh, I thought you know, they've made strides over the last couple of years, but I thought they tailed in tailed down a little bit towards the end of the season last year. And Josh Jones as well, who yeah. they invested in a third-round pick a year ago. Perhaps he is in the mix at potentially guard or tackle. The other moves we talked about, Darrell Daniels, the tight end position, Max Williams was already on the roster, and then that was basically it until the Daniels moves was made. And here we're talking about, yes, potentially a pass catcher be trained, but with Williams and Daniels, Two tight ends that I think are more known and better suited as an extra blocker or two, whether that's a quote-unquote sixth down lineman as far as an offensive lineman is concerned or max protection, but guys that, yes, they can catch the football, but first and foremost, it's protection and helping out those running backs. And you want to establish an identity as well. When you start talking about what are you as an offense, are you a physical offense, are you a finesse offense, are you a timing and rhythm type of offense? And I think with the addition of these tight ends on the edges, they want to be more of a, a physical presence on the on the outside and, and be able to, to, to win those edges and to be able to get the running backs uh, those, those key rushing lanes where they can actually open up and, and be able to do major damage down the field. And the fact that they can catch the ball on top of that, I think that only helps. But you're seeing a concerted effort to really make sure that this offense has an identity of being physical. And the way to do that is have physical players at, at most positions, particularly along the line where you are putting your hand on the ground and you're having to fire off into somebody else. Tight ends, tackles, guards, center, all of those positions, you want physical-style players because once you set that tone, everything else falls from there. Well, B-Train, we heard from General Manager Steve Keim. There were two areas that he wanted to address this offseason, and that was one, physicality, and two, leadership in that locker room. To your point about the physicality, there are certainly – Something to be said about, yes, it begins with J.J. Watt and then the upgrades, the additions on the offensive line. There is no question that we expect to see, and I think it's the tone is set from up above with Kime that this team better be physical in 2021. you got to do it, and that's the way that you're going to be able to compete in this, this division. This is the toughest division in the NFL as presently constituted, and I would defy anybody to find me a tougher division. But in order to win a tough division, you have to be able to establish a style of play. And, and that physical style of play is the bread and butter of the game that we all know and love. And, and the more physical team on a given Sunday is going to be the one that usually walks out of that stadium with the win. And in order to keep up with the rest of this, this stacked division with all these great defenses and defensive players and defensive front lines, it's imperative that you match fire for fire. And if they are physical, then you're going to have to be physical. And I think 
it was really the only way that they could go in order to ensure that they had a say in who comes out of this division uh, as the champions. You know, we're all going to look at the Super Bowl and where was that game won in the trenches, but let's go back to week 16 and 17. Cardinals did not win at the line of scrimmage. They did not win against the 49ers. We're basically, we weren't playing for a whole lot besides pride and then week 17 against the Rams. So you bring in Hudson, physicality. You retain Marcus uh, Golden, physicality. You bring in J.J. Watt, physicality. We just got a chance to hear from Malcolm Butler, physicality on the outside. So that was the goal going in. And they are also bringing leadership, guys that have, have done it at a high level, for a period of time, and now we'll see how much they have left in the future. Yeah, a lot of former captains, including Sean Williams, the Cincinnati Bengals' former safety, is now an Arizona Cardinal. But with these tight end, you know, I made no secret, MJ, about, yeah, I'd like to see Dan Arnold retain, but he was more of a pass-catching tight end. Now you've got two more known blockers as far as tight ends. Perhaps it's not the tight end position that will be a pass-catcher. You've got wide receivers, you've got running backs. Maybe you're looking for a tight end, and the offense to just kind of maybe be a little bit more, I mean, not so much run heavy, but using those tight ends as blockers as opposed to have them go out for passes. You know, looking at Dan Arnold, I I know that Kyler Murray, you know, trusted him early on, and I thought, you know, he made strides. What I think is they were hoping to get more production out of Dan Arnold last year. And so he decided to sign with the the Panthers in a relationship with their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Uh, Darrell Daniels, to me, we, I go back to that great catch he, he, he caught when Kyler Murray you know, kind of thread the needle. I think he's become a better blocker. He does play on special teams. We know Max Williams can catch the ball. There's been a few times he's had you know, nice catches. But if, if you're Sean Coogler, you want to go 11 and 12 personnel, you want to go big. And so the, both of these guys are capable of blocking. I would think you want to get a pass-catching tight end just based on Kingsbury's offense. That could come in the draft. That can come out maybe later in free agency. You certainly want somebody, but I think it also signals that, yeah, as far as that physicality be trained, you might see more running as far as a traditional offense. At least that's kind of the vibe I get from everything that I've read and seen so far with this team offensively. And I love the fact that you want to be a physical team because the more you can run the football and be physical – the less pressure you put on your defense. It doesn't make your de- your defense doesn't have to go out there and, and be lights out every single time. You take a little bit of pressure off of them, and then they can just pick and choose their spots when they can be aggressive. And, and I know Vance Joseph will appreciate a much more physical ball control style of offense where you can just ram the ball down the opposing defense's throat, and you can make, you can win the time of possession as well as, as, as uh, get lots of yardage and, and put points on the board. So, it's an all-around win for total team development. And I think for this team and this organization, they, they want to change the identity, so to speak. And, and not to say that it was bad before, but you do have to make sure that you are staying on par with what is required to win this, this division. And uh, even though we may have gotten a little older with some of these additions, I still think the experience part is going to benefit us the best. And, and now you can focus your attention uh, to other places and, and really building the roster and, and making sure that you have enough playmakers to make sure that this team uh, gets to where it wants to go. And that's the one thing, B-Train, about these additions that we're seeing in free agency, you know, 29, 30, 31, 32 years old. And to your point, they've got a resume. They've got the experience that sometimes – 
you need and is probably more advantageous for you as an entire football team because of where you want to go. Talent is great, and yes, you need that talent, but sometimes the tricks of the trade, what you learn from those early years, benefit you later, and the Cardinals are hoping to get that benefit here in 2021 with the moves that they have made thus far. One of those moves we've touched on, Malcolm Butler, the new number one cornerback. He addressed the media earlier today. We'll get into his thoughts and conversation as we continue. The Cardinals Red Sea reports every Tuesday at 11 a.m. year-round right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The ball is at the Patriot 1. The quarterback, Wilson, is in the shotgun formation. Lynch will flank into his left. Two wide to the near side, one to the far. In the shotgun, there's the snap, it's built high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line! It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler! Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson at the goal line! 20 seconds left! Butler does an unbelievable job getting inside, and I'm surprised that Russell Wilson threw it here. Butler read the play perfectly, went behind the pick, and ran right to where the slant was going to be thrown. One of the best plays, either offensively or defensively, in Super Bowl history, the interception by Malcolm Butler sealing the Patriots' win in Super Bowl 49. Kevin Harlan, Boomer Esiason on Westwood One with the final call there as we welcome you back to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rielu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Barry. And as luck would have it, Malcolm Butler now an Arizona Cardinal. He addressed the media earlier today and admitted that he didn't really think about that play when joining the Cardinals, but then added, quote, it's kind of crazy that I'll be playing home games where I became well-known and made one of the best plays in Super Bowl history. And then B-Train, he added this, he has not played a game ever, let alone since that Super Bowl, in Seattle and is expecting, as he said, some tension when he steps foot in Seattle for the first time. Oh, you better believe he's going to receive some tension. But I, I think the people that <laughs> that should, they should be mad at, at, at uh, you know, the coach and, and, and the offensive coordinator for that play because anybody that, that was around knew that Marshawn Lynch should have got that ball. So you know, I, I don't know how much they're going to really throw his direction because uh, Pete Carroll and, and Bevel should have definitely given Marshawn Lynch the ball and, and let them go ahead and drive it in. He had that defense on the ropes. and uh, But, hey, be that as it may, the situation was Malcolm made the play, and he'll go down forever as one of the, the great moments in Super Bowl history. You know, when you watch NFL films, it was fascinating how Belichick was just looking at the other sidelines, just looking. And then finally, I think it was Brian Flory said, Malcolm, get in there. I mean, it's just fascinating. He's looking at the entire – like, he – kind of thought, and they had practiced that play. I'm sure when we get a chance to talk to him when, during the season or something, maybe he's moved on. But, yeah, to me, um, this is a really good pickup. I mean, just the fact that he loves football. Um, he's coming off a really good year. 
um, one of his best years, according to him. And he's he's uh, he's will be 31 this season. So I don't know if you could have got a better corner in free agency than Malcolm Butler at this point in time. Very productive. Played all 16 games last season. The only player with at least 100 tackles and four or more interceptions. He played 97% of the snaps. B Tran. I'm still surprised that one he was available to. He lasted on the market for as long as he did. Although Butler did acknowledge that he understood the business as far as why he was released. He was owed a ton of money, and it was a salary cap casualty. Yet at the same time, this is a very strong move when at a, at a position that was certainly needed and needed to be addressed this offseason. Yeah, and I think you're still going to have to address needs at the cornerback position because there's still a lot of unproven commodities at that position. Yes, you bring in Malcolm Butler, a guy that's experienced, a Super Bowl champion, and that's good. But he is 31, and with all of the free agents that we brought in, we talked about uh, experience is one way you can look at it. Older is another way you can look at it. And I think you're going to have to get younger at the cornerback position. You're going to have to get some young guys through the draft. I think you need to go very high in the draft. That's just my opinion. Uh, to get one of those uh, playmakers to go alongside of Malcolm Butler, we said for years who was going to be that guy opposite Patrick Peterson. Well, now you say opposite Malcolm Butler. So, uh, I, I, I still think that this is a, a great area of need, and, and I thought that went a long way in getting the process started of, of bringing in players that can really help this team get to where it needs to go. I'd like to see MJ, another corner, a veteran corner added, and then, as B-Train said, also draft a corner because you've got Robert Alford, who hasn't played for the past two seasons, and Byron Murphy, who they want to keep in the slot. So, yes, to B-Train's point, you do still have work to be done as far as addressing the cornerback position. And I think they will. I, I think you're going to – not only will, did they sign Malcolm Butler, I do think they'll add another veteran cornerback, uh, and then I do think they'll take advantage of how deep the cornerback draft is, whether it comes in the first or second round, um, because Malcolm Butler is on a one-year deal. I mean, if he plays well enough, could they extend him? Um, clearly, he's betting on himself. Robert Alford's got to stay healthy. Murphy's under contract for the next few years, so you kind of got to flood that position. Um, and, and, and again, you don't want to have too much youth, but you also have to have some experience back there, and I think if Alford could stay healthy, I think Murphy's definitely getting better. Uh, I like the way he hits. And then you bring in a guy like Malcolm Butler. So, um, but I do think you know you have to get some more depth because we know injuries occur. First move was important, and that was finding a replacement for Patrick Peterson. Now, before this move was made official, General Manager Steve Kime addressed the media about what the team had done up until that point in free agency. Cornerback, obviously, a move that had yet to be made and was certainly a question mark. And here is what. Kime had to say about that situation again this is before we knew I'm sure Kime knew but we did not know Malcolm Butler was going to be a Cardinal you know every team has holes and you you one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to panic uh, and do things that are uh, put you in a tough situation from a cap standpoint so uh, we'll continue to monitor the market uh, there's different avenues that we can take whether it's through free agency trade options or even the NFL draft you know we, we always say well why is this guy available? Well, he was available because he's a cap casualty. You know, he was one of their better players on defense last year. And people are going to say, well, he had 100 tackles. Well, if you look at it, the Tennessee Titans were 30th in sacks. They had 19 sacks total. So that's the reason why he has 100 tackles. He had four pass interceptions. He had 14 or 15 passes defense. 
Uh, he's played for Vrabel. He's played for Brian Flores. He's played for Belichick. Um, I mean, on paper, he could be a quarterback number one, but he was beloved in the building. He's he's competitive. Um, he loves to practice. He loves to play. So, I, like I said, I don't know if he could have done a better job in, in the fact that it's a one-year deal, 3.5, up to $6 million. So, um, definitely it doesn't force them to go at 16 with a cornerback now. Well, and by comparison, what the Cardinals were able to do as far as a pass rush versus the Titans' pass rush last year, 48 sacks by the Cardinals, and now you get – J.J. Watt, a healthy Chandler Jones, and that was something else that Butler brought up as far as when you have a pass rush B train, sometimes that certainly, well, not sometimes, all the time. It's a helpful, it's a benefit to those guys in the secondary because they're not asked to cover as much. At least that is the hope. When you got those dogs up front, it makes everybody's job easier. It makes the linebacker's job easier. It makes the secondary job easier. And then for the, the other defensive linemen, if you've got that one guy as the bell cow setting the tone, then it makes everybody else on that defensive front job easier. So I really believe that you have to build from the inside out. And once you have those guys in place, now you can actually go in and, and fill out the rest of the roster. But I do believe that if you have a, a, those good – pass rushers up front, the guys that can really create pressure and create a lot of havoc, uh, it really makes the secondary that much better. But you still have to have the ability to go out and make plays. And I think right now the Cardinals made a step in that direction with Malcolm Butler, but there's still yet work to be done. I would agree with that. And, you know, one thing, he's physical at the line of scrimmage. He comes down in, in, in the run support. And when when you look at it from his, his standpoint, I mean, he went against Allen Robinson last year held his own. Now, if you put a speedy wide receiver against him, you better have safety coverage. He did a good job on some of these bigger physical receivers. So um, he's probably going to guard the number one wide receiver, depending on this is what they want to do. They want to play man-to-man press, and hopefully Murphy and and Alford can hang. But he's not going to cover speed guys. He's going to cover the big physical receivers where he can jam them at the line of scrimmage to help the pass rush. And with Butler now, and you have Robert Alford, and as we talked, they still need to add more. But the important aspect of Byron Murphy and keeping him in the slot, something Kime addressed and said, yeah, we think he is one of the better slot corners in the game. So the preference is to keep Murphy right where he's at, which is to what we talked about. Yes, you need to add another veteran, and you need to draft to get younger at that position as well because Butler's on a one-year contract. Bird Gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. More defensive talk, much to the liking of one Bertram Berry. That's all straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Flacco, out of the gun, rolling to his right, the moving pocket. Flacco gets hammered from behind. Sean Williams knocks it free. The ball is loose. Both teams trying to pounce on it. Cincinnati's got it. A safety blitz from Sean Williams, and Flacco got mauled. Sean Williams was shot out of a cannon. Roethlisberger throws over the middle, intercepted by Sean Williams. Running to the 50, down the far sideline to the 40, on on his feet at the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. 
touchdown. How about that? Sean Williams intercepting Ben Roethlisberger and sprinting 59 yards to put the Bengals on the scoreboard first. An eight-year veteran, eight years with the Cincinnati Bengals, and now an Arizona Cardinal. Sean Williams agreeing to terms on a one-year deal, a safety, and last year one of the better special teams players in the game as the Cardinals continue to add depth and certainly strengthen that defense. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry, as we talk about the addition of Williams and the re-signing of Chris Banjo, some depth specifically at the safety position, MJ, and we know, yes, Buda Baker, he is set. He is the guy, and it wasn't really a position that this team needed to address, although I get the concerns with a Jalen and a Deontay Thompson. It's been kind of hit or miss as far as whether those guys can stay on the field and in the production value of a Deontay Thompson just hasn't reached the what we have seen from Jalen Thompson, but with the latter, it's being able to count on him on Sunday. So here is Sean Williams, who wasn't asked to do a lot defensively last year, but might get the chance here in 2021. And the fact is you're not relying on, on young players. You have enough of those guys right now in Jalen and Deontay Thompson. I believe Buda Baker will become the face of the defense. Him and Chandler Jones, Buda's going to be a captain again like he was when Jones went down. Um, you know, special teams is something they put an emphasis on. They lose, lose one of their – or moved on from one of their better special teams players in Trent Sherfield. Um, Chris Banjo, I thought he got a chance to play last year, a little safety. Showed me some upside there. So you got to have depth there. I mean, clearly you want one of the Thompson twins. I think Jalen has more upside. Deontay showed me a little bit more coming in run support, being a little bit more physical. But it's nice to have guys that can play. Uh, they're going to be active on game day, and they can play on teams and give you some depth at that position. And Charles Washington back as True. well. Much like Banjo could play some safety, but more known for his prowess on special teams. So that is an area that, is certainly important for the Arizona Cardinals. Getting back to Sean Williams, though, B-Train, and we talk about connections, relationships. Yes, there is a connection and a relationship with defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. In 2014 and 2015, Vance was the Bengals' defensive backs coach. So Sean Williams certainly knows what he is getting himself involved with as far as what is being asked of him in this particular defense. Yeah, just like we saw with Drake or Patrick, anytime that you have familiarity with a player and a coach and they had a good experience together, there's usually going to be a, a great chance that you can see them reunite in different places. And, and the one thing Coach Vance, Coach Joseph likes to do, he likes to bring in players that he's familiar with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You just want to make sure that those guys can go out there and they can actually make the plays. It's one thing to have a relationship and feel good about somebody, but it's another thing them to go out and make you look good by performing at a really high level and I think Sean Williams has done a good job of doing that and hopefully being brought here with the Arizona Cardinals he can maintain a high level of play and and really uh, pay that relationship off for coach Joseph and his team as a whole because you really need somebody to go alongside Buda Baker. Buda has done his part and and making himself one of the stalwarts on the defensive side, but you've got to have somebody to, to back his play. And, and sometimes Buda may want to take chances, and you really want a veteran to understand uh, that, that sometimes your, your, your playmaker is going to do things that aren't necessarily uh, how it's written up in, in the, the, the particular play. So he can, he can bounce off of that. He can, he can play off of that and, and actually pick up that slack. 
and that allows Buddha to, to, to have that freedom to take even more chances knowing that Sean's going to have his back. I think you make a great point, B-Train, and just based on, you know, some of the guys the Cardinals have signed, they had intel on Jordan Phillips when, uh, you know, VJ was in Miami. They had intel on, on J.J. Watt. But I got to think he. this isn't about the buddy system. It's about he goes in there and the Cardinals trust his evaluation, still got to go through the, you know, the, the contract and everything else. But I think Vance has been a really good voice for Cliff. Yeah, I think, you know, it helps him out, obviously, on game day with the defense. Um, so I, it's nice to have these relationships, but you're right. At the end of the day, these guys got to come here and perform. And I want to go back to something you said, MJ, as far as now the face and the leader of that defense, and that would be Buda Baker because I think he does take over as far as the most tenured defensive player in that locker room, and this is nothing against Chandler Jones, but I think people look to Buda Baker based off his performance and his production and the fact that he has been on the field and hasn't had, knock on wood, a lot of injuries, a game here or there, but then he also plays Hurts, and I think Baker has mentioned that this defense needs to get better, even though they were pretty darn good in 2020. For me, uh, kind of like a perfectionist, you know. So, of course, you you understand that there's progression, but you also know that there's a lot more work to be done. There's a lot more things that you can do and cer- certain players can do to elevate this team to, you know, get more Ws. I don't think it's going out on a limb train to say that the defense outperformed the offense last year. Now, whether that's the case in 2021, who knows? But there has certainly been an increase and a progress from year one to year two, and that should only be tenfold now going into year three under the same defensive coordinator, under the same defensive scheme. Everybody's going to feel more comfortable. The roles will be more defined, and, and Coach Joseph will feel more comfortable making calls based on personnel that he knows that much more intimately. So it, it just it can't help but get better. Once you are more familiar with the group of players, the more you know their tendencies, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, and now you can actually make calls that can accentuate their positives and limit their negatives. So th- this can only help this defense as a whole and help this team as a whole. And, and there's nothing wrong with the defense outperforming the offense. I mean, championships are built – on defense, and they're won by defense. So, you know, I don't know why we waste so much time talking about the offensive side because, you know, those guys, you know, they're, they're minimal in their contributions to a team success. It, it really is all about the defense. But I will say this, in all seriousness, uh, the, the fact that the defense has showed up, I think that gives Coach Kingsbury that much more confidence to, to take chances, if you will, on the offensive side, knowing that on the defensive side you've got guys that can make plays and can get you the ball back in a short period of time, that that allows you to be more aggressive in your play calling. And and those offensive guys know that if they make a mistake, they know that that other side of the ball is going to do everything that they can to get them the ball back so that they can correct whatever mistake that they have made. And I got the impression we're going to see more of a vocal Buda Baker because Patrick's no longer here. I mean, obviously, you know – Chandler Jones, you know, but I, I think if you talk to J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, they would defer to it's Buddha's defense. I mean, that's where it really – and, again, you need all 11 guys, but I think he's going to be more vocal. I mean, we found out last year between him and Kyler Murray during the week of practice, you know, I think there was accountability. Hey, we're not out here to mess around. Let's start practicing. So 
uh, more vocal Buda Baker, more plays. And let's hear from Buda Baker on just that subject. He addressed the media at the end of the season, talking about taking on more of a leadership role. For me personally, of course, um, talking more is definitely something that, you know, of course I'm going to want to do just because I'm, I'm that guy fifth year in. I'm, I'm that guy that everybody sees, you know, so definitely want to talk more for sure. And we will see more from Buda Baker and the rest of the Arizona Cardinals coming up in 2021. It is official. The NFL is moving to a 17-game regular season B-train, and that 17th game, the Arizona Cardinals will play at the Cleveland Browns as the NFC West is paired with the AFC North. So a 17-game season for the Cardinals, another opportunity to get some more Ws and then facing another play off opponent the Browns won 11 and 5 last season but we get to see Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield once again that was a fun matchup the first time around but 17 games B train the club players and owners they agreed to this and we knew it was going to happen as a matter of time and here it is happening officially on March 30th yeah here we go and I think you're going to start to see what what really is going on what what the league thinks about the players because now you're adding more opportunities for these players to get injured. And I know this was collectively bargained, and, and of course they hadn't changed the 16-game format since 1978, but I just figured if, there was, if it wasn't broke, don't fix it. It's a nice, clean, even number. You, you play uh, a division uh, or two, and, and, and you have that, those set amount of games, but now you're going to have an, an odd number of games, and uh, it gives the owners that much more opportunity to make more money. So uh, whenever you start talking about the business side and, and why things are being done, all you got to do is look at the money, look at the financials, who tends to gain the most from those situations. And that's going to tell you all you need to know. And, and I think from a player's perspective, uh, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, when you did go to the table, you had a chance to take that off the table in the negotiations, but you left it on because you wanted certain amenities, and when you got those amenities, you had to give up something. And giving up was the, the 17 or the, the extra game. So now you're going to have more games, and it'll be interesting to see if the salaries go up. It'll be interesting to see uh, how uh, contracts are, are going to be played out because you're, you're talking about one extra game, one less preseason game. So um, it, it's something that has been talked about for a long time, and, and now it's here. And and how will this affect TV deals with the NFL? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this, so I'll be interested to see what the fallout is. Commissioner Roger Goodell calling this a, quote, monumental moment in NFL history, a 17-game regular season, and now the Cardinals playing seven teams, nine games against opponents who made the playoffs last season. Now we know things change quickly from year to year, but the Cardinals' schedule just got a whole lot tougher. The fact that they got to go to Cleveland next year, and of course the schedule expected to be released at some point this offseason, most likely post-draft. Bird Gang, if you haven't already, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. When we come back, some more news. It has been anything but quiet in the NFC West. What the 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams have done, that's next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Oh, hey there. Hi there. Oh. 
snow today, oh, but... Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. We're in the States, huh? Oh, I brought my toboggan just in case. Oh, my goodness. Look at the weather here. It's beautiful, eh? You see Jimmy G's chin line? Holy cow. Oh, that is goodness. pretty. The guy's got such a chin line. He's got a butt chin. It's amazing. Oh, my, oh, my goodness. God. That is one of a kind. What a man he is, huh? Oh, yes. One of the favorites... Drops, if you will, of our producer, Jim Mahondro, George Kittle, Joe Staley, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo NFL films back in the day. And I don't know how much more we'll be able to play that, considering what is going on with the San Francisco 49ers as we end this week's Cardinals Red Sea Report, looking around the NFC West. And I guess we got to start first and foremost, B-Train, with what is going on with the 49ers. I wouldn't call it a Friday news dump. It was Friday morning, but the entire first round of the draft sent into the air and upheaval as the 49ers now have the third overall pick. And if you're going to make that move from 12 to 3, you are going to draft a quarterback. And, well, what does that say about their current quarterback in Garoppolo? Well, it says that he's not going to be there much longer. I think he, he should maybe put the house up for sale and, and start looking elsewhere, maybe uh, uh, real estate in, in Connecticut, you know what I mean, or, or Massachusetts, if you will, because uh, it doesn't seem as if they are content with him as their quarterback going forward. And the thing that's so curious about the 49ers is I look at this team, it's a, it's a good football team, and, and uh, they're going to have a lot of pieces back. Um, if you're really trying to contend for a championship, are you really going to give the reins over to a rookie quarterback? So, uh, you know, Coach Shanahan has said, you know, they feel like they can win uh, with Jimmy G, but uh, are you really trying to win or are you wanting a guy that's going to be available? Because I don't, I don't think that you're going to – I don't think Jimmy's going to be a guy that you're going to want to have on the roster while you're, you're pining over his younger, cheaper replacement. And you know, consider you know, considered better replacement. So uh, it, it's very interesting what's going on in San Francisco, and and I'll be very interesting, very interested to see how this whole thing plays out. I I mean, the thing is the word right now, right? That's that's what we hear. I mean, obviously when Josh Rosen was here. So I mean, I I think it makes sense to where, you know. He, his cap numbers, he's got a good cap number, but he comes off the books, and you have that rookie on his rookie contract where you're going to eventually have to extend some of those players on that roster, some of the guys that are coming up. Uh, we know Kittle obviously got paid. I would, I mean, it's going to be difficult if they get off to a rough start in week uh, seven or eight, and are they ready to go to the next quarterback where they can try to trade him? So. I think they're in the win mode now, but they're going to get a rookie on a rookie contract for the next four or five years, and they can continue to keep that talent in San Francisco. And I think what they're hoping for is Garoppolo leads the team in 2021, and then they say goodbye. And they let that rookie quarterback sit and watch, and the question is whether that is Zach Wilson. And if it's not Zach Wilson because he goes to the Jets at number two, is that Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones? That's the question that the 49ers are certainly having. And don't forget, they got a new offensive coordinator coming in, Mike McDaniel taking over. He was the run game coordinator a year ago, so he gets the promotion. But things are different a little bit in San Francisco. Trent Williams did resign, so that's a big piece to their offense. 
offensive puzzle. Kyle Shanahan's still the head coach That's and true. the play caller. <laughs> That's true. By the way, speaking of changes, I don't know if there has been a uh, bigger change as far as team in the NFC West with respects to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they have a number of new faces. They've lost more than about uh, a half a dozen assistants, and they lost their uh, defensive coordinator and – a number of players are no longer on the team because, well, the biggest is Jared Goff. They get a new quarterback, but Michael Brockers, Malcolm Brown, uh, Gerald Everett, Troy Hill, Johnny Johnson, Josh Reynolds. So those, <laughs> It's going to be betraying a much different-looking Rams team next season, but perhaps the only difference people are going to pay attention to is who's under center. Yeah, and the fact that they've got Matthew Stafford, a lively arm, a guy that is a, a proven gunslinger and a guy that can get the ball to requisite weapons, uh, that that was kind of his thing. He, he just was frustrated out there in Detroit. And and this team, I think, is going to look primarily the same. And as long as Sean McVay is still the, the head coach, I still think that they're going to be a formidable opponent. And, and you still got that, that bad man in, in the middle of that defensive line in Aaron Donald. So... Uh, they haven't really gone anywhere as far as personnel. I mean, there are some, some different faces there, but the, the core is still there. And, and then you add in uh, an upgrade, in a lot of people's opinion, at the quarterback position. Now it makes this division and that particular team uh, that much more formidable. So, again, I've, I've, I've said this has been an arms race in the NFC West. Every team has made moves to try to better themselves, and, and the Los Angeles Rams are no different. And we'll see if the coaching staff changes are going to be detrimental to this team's progress or will the players still ultimately decide what happens and will they still be a a, a contender uh, in the NFC West and in the NFC as a whole. You know, last year you can make the case, and not just winning the Super Bowl, but the numbers he put up was probably Brady was the best free agent signing. Um, You know, you can make the case for the Cardinals. J.J. Watt definitely created headlines. I think Matthew Stafford, when we look at this, he could be one of the better uh, trades in the offseason because he's an upgrade, and they went out and got Deshaun Jackson. Now, clearly he's been injured, but he can run a fly pattern, he can run a post pattern, and they retain Leonard Floyd. So they're keeping their somewhat core, and I think they believe in Cam Akers to be their bell cow, which they were winning with Todd Gurley. So the Rams certainly still the Rams, at least from the Cardinals' perspective, considering Sean McVay's record against the Cardinals. Then the other team, the Seahawks, they've got some changes on the coaching ranks as well. Brian Schottenheimer fires, so they got a new offensive coordinator and Shane Waldron, who spent the past four seasons with the Rams. And then, of course, Russell Wilson going public with not liking how things have gone and he maybe needs more help. And did they do enough on the offensive line? Gabe Jackson was acquired via a trade they do have Gerald Everett the tight end from the Rams he is back Chris Carson is back they just announced the re-signing of Carlos Dunlap but they did lose a Carlos Hyde a Shaquille Griffin Greg Olson retired as did Mikey Potty so what do you make of the Seahawks right now B-Train as far as with this I don't know what you want to call it with the Russell Wilson and his comments post Super Bowl kind of uh, hanging over everything in that organization can I put to be determined as far as the status of this team? Because we don't know what this team is going to look like. It's going to look dramatically different if Russell Wilson is not on this roster. And, and if he is on the roster, then they're going to be a, a threat once again. Seattle pretty much comes and goes 
on the on the the shoulders of Russell Wilson. And then you could talk about Pete Carroll. You could talk about uh, you know the defense or the staff and 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 all the guys they have in the coaching staff. But really, they have gone and had success as as Russell Wilson has had success. And the fact that he's not happy and and they haven't really said much about. Uh, we're not looking to shop Russell Wilson. I mean, the fact that he's still dangling out there, it just kind of makes you wonder, the closer we get to the draft, will he even be a Seattle Seahawks? Because I think you have to wait and see if he's going to be there and and how you assess this team because he is a big part of what they've been uh, for for the the last, you know, nine, ten years. So uh, if he's not there, they're going to look entirely different than what they would if he were under center without question. I have to remind myself, they were 12-4 and four last year. 12-4. and four. Now, they, obviously, he got out to a great start in September. He's probably MVP, and then we know that offensively they couldn't score. Uh, teams were obviously being able to shut him down, but they were 12-4. and four. I, I think he sticks there this year because of the cap hit, $39 million, but he won't be on the roster next year. Well, February 25th, Wilson's agent told ESPN that if he wants – he still wants to play. Russell Wilson wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were to be considered – he would only go to the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears. And that certainly sounds like a crack at the foundation with the Seattle Seahawks. Cardinal fans certainly hope that is exactly what happens in 2021. B-Train, good stuff. How about we do it again next week? Why not? I mean, I ain't got nothing else to do on a Tuesday morning. Let's go ahead. Let's go. <laughs> Take your shoes off and uh, put your feet up and uh, do a little Cardinals Red Sea report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes. Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Mike Jarecki, Bertram Berry, I'm Craig Riolu. We will do this in one week's time every Tuesday at 11 a.m. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report talking all things Arizona Cardinals and the National Football League right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone, Kirk, he got it. He's in, touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.